Welcome back. Good to have you. Glad you're on board on a Friday. I'm sure you're probably looking forward to getting out of work, getting to the weekend, getting to your evening, dinners, a couple of beverages. Maybe there's something on tonight you're going to you know, hunker down for. Maybe you're just heading out tonight. Maybe you're just like, you know what? Tired of being cooped up. Weather's kind of gray. I'm out. I'm out. Getting it done tonight. This portion, if you're going to go someplace, uh, there's a couple of good places to go tonight. As a matter of fact, Boondocks uh, out there in Oconomowoc, great place. Stone Bank, Wisconsin, love it out there. Go out and see the whole gang. Tom and his staff, great people. They have a big fish fry, and they've got different salads and such. Another good place, uh, Boondocks, right there on uh, County Roquet in Oconomowoc. Um, Darnell Savage, Jr., so he was uh, sat down with the media, and he was asked about how does this Jets team compare to the one? Because remember, the the Packers had uh, you know training camp with the Jets go back to 2021 last year. So he was asked how this compares to the Jets team that they practiced against last year. Uh, I think they're definitely a lot different than they were last summer. You know, they've uh, they've added some pretty good athletes as far as receiver and stuff like that. So uh, and they got some two brand new tight ends as well. So. Um, they're definitely not the same team. And then uh, you've got the questions regarding the defense, and they've been a little bit soft. Now, Savage, I think, in my opinion, uh, still a pretty good uh, hitter, He and that's kind of what his forte is. He likes to be that safety hitter guy, okay? I know some of you get aggravated with him. I, look, anytime there's a play that a player's highlighted on that's a negative, he sucks, want him out, and all that kind of stuff, but I still think he's really quality. So he was asked about uh, defensive coordinator Joe Barry, and does Joe Barry need to make changes to allow the defense to, to be aggressive, get more takeaways? I wouldn't say anything's holding us back. Uh, we're going to make our plays. You know, I, I feel like um, any time now, you know, uh, this is just one of those things. You just got to be patient. Just do your job, and, and your plays will come to you. But um, we're not worried. I think we'll, we'll have plenty of turnovers by the time it's all said and done. I don't know about the word plenty. You'll have turnovers, but I don't know about the – hopefully the word plenty actually comes into play. Because as of right now, it's it's nil. Nada. Um, then the next question is, when you talk about turnovers, okay, does the – and I, I can almost hear the answer. But the bottom line is, if you're not playing up on guys and you're playing more zone and nickel all the time and soft, does the defensive scheme even allow them to play free and create turnovers? Oh uh, yeah, it's definitely a balance. You know, it's all about discipline and, and reading your keys and all that kind of stuff. You know, you just can't you can't just go rogue within the defense and and uh, be trying to make plays. You know, you leave somebody else out, uh, kind of hanging to dry. So, um, you know, we're gonna keep doing our job and just let our plays come to us. So, last year, remember, um, second game of the season, Packers didn't look good. Halftime of Detroit, Matt Lafleur goes to Joe Barry. You could you could see a little bit of the discussion, and then things obviously changed. Matt LaFleur, the offensive play caller. Why does he think that Matt LaFleur, though, as the head coach, not the offensive play caller, but he needs to get involved with Joe Barry in this defense? Uh, I feel like we got a lot of um, older, experienced, more veteran players uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, I think just us being just, just player-driven, you know, and just kind of going out there and competing and, and having that, that fire, you know what I'm saying? I feel like that t- kind of takes care of it. It makes it a little easier on the coaches, honestly. Um, so I don't, I don't think I've, like, noticed any difference or anything in that. So, uh, Well, at least in speak, 
Yeah, there's been a difference. Only for the fact that, you know, this week has been, like I said, going into the top of the hour break, uh, there's been a magnifying glass placed on this Green Bay Packers team. It was just not a great performance in London. It was kind of a tale of a two tale of two halves. And it's kind of what we've seen all season long. And he was asked about LaFleur, you know, saying he wants to see players play aggressive and not be afraid. Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, I feel like that that message kind of displays a trust. You know, obviously, like I said, it's not going rogue within the defense, but um, kind of just just trusting yourself. And um, you know, for him to say that, you know, it's it's kind of him telling us that uh, you know, he trusts us to, to trust what we see and go make plays. So, um, excited for another opportunity. Kind of kind of good player speak right now, staying in the ranks, you know. But Adrian Amos said, "Hey, look, uh, in regards to, and we've all seen this, okay, pretty consistently throughout the season." Where the you know the crossing pattern, it it just it, it's not been defended consistently or at all for that matter in some cases. And Adrian Amos says, "Look, teams are going to continue to do it those deep crossers unless we stop them. It's as simple as that." And you know what's funny is we keep talking about that via the run game. Matt Lafleur, they can't stop you. Why do you stop yourself from running the football? So why would teams stop running the deep crossing patterns? And Adrian Amos is right. It's because they can't stop them. So until they do, teams are going to continue to do it. So what does Darnell Savage think? Uh, I, I feel like, um, you know, it, it's just something that we're just, uh, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't think it's something that's going to cause us problems for, you know what I'm saying, forever and ever. But um, I feel like we're going to start making our plays. Like, like we said, obviously the over routes uh, haven't been necessarily what we want so far. But um, I feel like we're fine. So he was asked, look, uh, you lose over in London, long flight home. And I talked about that on friday of last week saying that whoever loses this game and that's that's a long flight to come home and go especially after a game like that when you're up and you have quite a few uh good plays first half and the second half just completely falls apart so he was asked what what is it you know long flight home after a loss now you get prepped for another uh, another week you're going through the motions for the jets getting ready for that noon kickoff what has this week been like forever uh i think it's safe to say everybody's kind of you know, ready to get back on on the field. So, I'm excited for this weekend. Hmm. <laughs> Feels like forever. Just to get back into the rhythm of things. Uh, does this game against the Jets feel like uh, it's a quote get right game after a loss to the Giants last week? Uh, I wouldn't really look at it like that. You know, I just uh, I think we kind of look at it as a another opportunity. You know, obviously uh, last week wasn't you know what we wanted to put out there, but uh. You know, you get 17 of them. So, um, you know, we just we want to win the next one. So that's what we're focused on right now. There you go. That is Darnell Savage Jr. yesterday. Not a lot of words, saying a lot of things that are, I would almost put as good player scripted speak. You're not going to put anything out there that's going to be negative. But there's not a lot of fire there going, you know what, we got this. No big deal. You know, we're good. Um, it, it seems like the more you hear coming out of the defensive side of the football, there's a tentativeness there. And I go back to what Jair Alexander said. Yeah, if we lose to the Jets, then we're going to have some concerns. You know, I don't think he was, you know, downplaying the Jets by any stretch of the imagination. But what I'm thinking is, is that is this starting to seep into the psyche? This sound, Ben, correct me if I'm wrong. We heard Joe Barry. We heard Donald Savage Jr. We've heard Matt LaFleur all week. We heard Aaron Rodgers. Does it sound like this is a team that might in the little least bit starting to be questioning itself? Yeah, it always kind of falls down from the head coach. I also heard LaFleur say during his press conference that it's their earliest kick they've had this season, kind of making a big deal of everyone's got to be ready. I feel like no doubt he starts saying that. Everyone realizes, oh, 
wait, we haven't had to wake up early to do this yet. I don't know. Right. The, the messaging is weird. But it's only it weird because they didn't win. So, Right. Had they won, then maybe, you know, and had they won playing the same style of football in the second half as they played in the first half, I don't think we have any questions. Any at all. But I think that it just sounds like there's a lot of tentativeness in voices right now inside 1265. There's not the aggressiveness. I, that's why I am really excited to see this game on Sunday. I am excited to see them come out to play aggressive. Uh, I Otherwise, this is all lip service. Otherwise, this is all lip service, right? Um, oh, by the way, people are saying go Philly uh, for you, Ben, saying they hate Dallas. Just an FYI. Oh, cheers. People people on the stream. And I Don't we all? People email those scumbags. <laughs> uh, but I, that seems to be the sound coming out of 1265. A little tentative. And I, I understand it. You know, you, you've been beaten. And it hasn't been perfect. So I understand it. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a little subdued enthusiastically right now up in Green Bay. 877-867-1670. You can hit us up. Uh, 877-867-1670. So uh, we're going to hear more from Mike Clemens coming uh, coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, and he'll have his perspective on all of this, I'm sure, which Mike being there, seeing guys looking him in the eye and such, it, it's going to be interesting in that sense. So he'll have uh, all of that coming up as well. And we may hear some more in his perspective on what Darnell Savage Jr. just had to say. And, and I'm interested in getting that. Um this one is from uh, Steven. Steven says, uh, I agree with you. I think it sounded soft this week, but I think guys are genuinely looking themselves in the mirror. I look for this team to come out and punch New York right in the mouth. Uh, Steven, I hope you're right. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe this is kind of the, the calm subdued before the storm. I don't know if they have the ability to just flip the switch and, quote, unleash, but I certainly think that you are. If you don't see aggressiveness this week, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, you know, you know what I mean. I, I don't know what to tell you. If you don't see the aggressiveness this week, you know, I mean, you you've got another opportunity to get. If you don't see, if the if the Packers should lose, they're sitting at three and two. If they should lose, go to three and three. You're going to get a win over the Commanders. You would assume. So four and three, you got the Bills, man. You got to go to the Bills in Buffalo. You don't want to get punched in the face again like that. I want to see them get it right expound upon it against Washington, and then go in with a head of steam into Buffalo. Because we all pretty much looked at this game and said, you know what, circle that. That might be an L. I think if we have to put our house money on it, we would probably take Buffalo in Buffalo. I don't know if I'd be as quick to take Buffalo if they were playing at Lambeau, but in Buffalo, I'm not, not, not enthusiastic about it, to say the very least. And then, you've, you know, don't forget it doesn't get any easier because you got... Uh, you got the Lions in Detroit, which you never played traditionally well there. But then the Cowboys come calling, the Titans come calling. You got to go to Philadelphia. It's not an easy road, not at all. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Kane and Kane Jewelers. I see Andy stuff all over the internet, man. If you haven't checked it out, buy like a guy podcast. The buy like a guy podcast. Also, Kane and Kane Jewelers up in uh, West Bend. They just do a lot of cool stuff. Very innovative, social media wise, and it's just for a jewelry store. You know, this time of year, though, this time of year, you're going to start thinking about that, whether it's engagement rings or something special for that special someone. And ladies, don't forget about the dudes, right? Don't forget about them. We don't mind it. Nice watch. 
I'm not into the pinky rings, but, you know, if that's what your dudes like, there you go. Ben, are you a jewelry guy by any extent? No. Okay, just checking. Well, then you have to go buy for somebody and not necessarily have somebody buy for you. But they have everything. Go to Kane and Kane Jewelers in West Bend or Kane and Kane Jewelers. Dot com. You can also find Andy's podcast at Buy Like a Guy. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. So, how's Aaron Rodgers? Throwing the ball? Is he confident about his grip the last couple of days? Yeah, he, th- he threw the ball really well yesterday, so. Um, you know, he's confident. Can you throw it well enough for you to be confident that he, he won't be limited in your passing game? Not, I don't believe so. He'll be today, man. He will. Those are the words of Matt LaFleur talking to the media. Good to have you. Hopefully you're enjoying your day. Certainly appreciate you being here. Uh, our buddy Mike Clemens brought to you by the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Quiet. It's cozy. It's comfortable. It's a mile from Lambeau Field. Stop in. Perfect for that family stay as well. And at the Bay Family Restaurant, they have that home style cooking seven days a week. It's the Bay Motel right there on South Military Avenue in Green Bay. Call them today for a reservation, 920-494-3441. Even for a weekend at the Packers, aren't there? Head on up, maybe watch the game up in Green Bay, go over to the Hall of Fame, take the tour, you're good to go. Call them today, 920-494-3441, 920-494-3441, or go online at baymotelgreenbay.com. That is baymotelgreenbay.com. Dot com. Good stuff. Uh, Mike O, Mike Clemens joining us on the line. How you doing, buddy? Okay, just came back from the Friday practice, and Aaron Rodgers was out there. He's still got this tape job on the right thumb on his hand, but you heard LaFleur there talking to us at today's press conference about nice. He threw the ball fine, you know, just fine yesterday. Uh, Rashawn Gary apparently hurt his toe in practice, I guess, yesterday, but it looked like he was going to go today. We'll get the injury report later on that. David Bakhtiari has been on the field uh, this week during practice. And uh, Christian Watson, he's out with a hamstring. Tipa Nalila is uh, that backup outside linebacker. He's dealing with a hamstring, too, so they have not practiced. Over in New York, Jermaine Johnson's one of their young defensive linemen. He's done very well, but uh, he's got an ankle injury, I believe, and he's out. He's going to be, they've already determined he won't be able to play Sunday here at Lambeau Field. Man, it's a whole laundry list uh, of dudes. So, Mike, uh, let's start with, uh, first and foremost, you've got this team that seems to – and we were just talking about this. They seem like it's just – they're subdued. Like, there's a lot of things that are the, – the microscope is on them. And, uh, you know, I heard the conversation with with Joe Barry and, you know, talking about aggressiveness. And then Matt LaFleur sounds a little testy at times. And, you know, and then he kind of reels it back in. Um, but, man, they, they just have not been able to kind of get things going, specifically in the second half of games. Yeah, and, you know, there's one player that I talked to at his locker who said, you know, it's, it's like we went to a bowl game and lost. I mean, they, they, it was such a nice trip. All those Packer fans just – and it was, it was supposed to be a home game. But they just outnumbered uh, the Giants fans or, you know, the European fans who were there. So they just felt like it was kind of a pageant, and then here they just got smashed in the mouth by a real tough Giants team. Offensively, 
Last night we talked to offensive coordinator Adam Stenovich, and I said, all right, so you know like that third drive you had going down the field, and then you have that you know triple misdirection, and you flip it to a wide-open Mercedes Lewis, and his eyes lit up like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, hang on a second. I was I was trying to find a way to ask about creativity in the second half when they had those three and outs. And, you know, you got an 11-play drive by the Giants offense, a 15-play drive where your defense just can't get off the field, and when they've got the opportunity, you got Rasul Douglas, you know, with the unnecessary roughness call on the third down. And I'm thinking... You know, what is can't LaFleur just change gears on the momentum? Like right in the middle of the, one of these long drives, just call a timeout. Do mm-hmm. something, you know? Or when you get back out there, run some crazy play or or go back to the go back to the, the script you're using in the first half when you scored that touchdown. And Stanovich looked at me like I was nuts, like, well, you know, that play to Mercedes for the touchdown was designed for goal line. So okay. All right, whatever. Hmm. But in the meantime, they're taking those lawn shocks down the field to Randall Cobb on the left and Al Lazard on the right, and, you know, they're missing. And Rodgers has not hit the deep ball. So LaFleur was asked about that this morning. And, and when you throw the deep ball, what do you expect? If you, if, you, if you attempt five, do you expect three out of five to be completed in the game? And here's what LaFleur said. Yeah, everyone. That reality, I mean, everyone. We're not just calling it to just throw the ball away. Uh, when we take them, we expect to hit them. I mean, the goal on every play is to have a positive play, and if you don't, I just don't know how to think of it any other way. I know that's unrealistic. You're going to go out and complete 100% of your passes, but anytime you don't, you're always coaching up the reason why. You know, maybe the quarterback has pressure in his face or he just misses a throw or the receiver stumbles, whatever it may be. But you're always trying to find the reasons as to why something's not successful. Yeah, I think it's a lot of details, you know, whether it's the specific specifics on the coaching points of it or the guy's recall of those things. We're just not quite hitting the right spots on on some of those routes some of its feel for sure for some of those guys but i look at a route like uh sammy ran against the bears which wasn't really the paper route it wasn't the route on paper but he felt it the angle and and ran a great route and was wide open there's opportunities for some of those instinctual adjustments within a play that that we can have and if we get that you know we'll probably start hitting those also you know on a a few of those this timing's been off you know we're making moves on five steps sometimes when a seven step timing uh, or the vice versa. We're making them too deep sometimes when it's quicker timing. So we just got to all get on the same page. You know, it, it's very similar speak, but, you know, Aaron's saying it's not me. It's the coaching of the technique or their recall of what they're supposed to do. And the coaches are saying that, you know, well, you know, we got to do a better job of just getting open and being able to go. Get, I, what do you make of that? I, I, you know, Rogers talks about how every little thing has got to be just right you know he just doesn't throw to the open guy it, it, like he said there if it you know he thinks that it's going to be a seven step uh, drop before he's going to release the ball or before a guy is going to make a cut and if the guy's you know making a cut on the post pattern at five steps it throws off you know that's why rogers ends up overthrowing the receiver um it, it gets to be a timing thing you mentioned the mood up here it seemed to lighten up a little bit by Thursday or Friday. I think just with the prospect now at their home, they're good. they got a noon start. Players love the noon starts because uh, they don't have to wait around all day. 
but the Jets, you know, improved. They're not a doormat team that was all injured like last year, and they only had four wins. They're three and two, and you put on the tape and you watch their defense, and those guys are flying around with the kid Sauce Gardner that they picked up, you know, at the top of the draft at corner, and say, you know, the C.J. Mosley, a veteran uh, linebacker, but it's hats to the. It's just like the Legion of uh, Boom, uh, uh, you know, up in Seattle, or what the 49ers had going under Robert Sala. These guys are coming to the football and playing with intensity. So Lazard was at his locker yesterday afternoon, and he's asking, you know, what's this week been like in the receivers' room after that disappointing loss to the Giants in London? Yeah, I think, you know, there's been a lot more focus and intent in the meeting rooms and especially, you know, through practice today. Um, you know, obviously being 3-2 is kind of something very new <laughs> for, this, for this organization the past few years. So, um, obviously, you know, we, we've had mistakes and um, we, we know the few ones that we've had as well that we could have been better in those situations as well. So, um, I think Coach LaForge has done a great job of really just cultivating um, everyone around here just to be able to work and keep growing every single day and, and not be stuck on the results of last week. It's interesting, Mike, when when you talk about the receivers and going deep and, and such. Uh, I remember going back to Miami when I had Jordy Nelson with me and, and he was talking. I never was completely on the same page. We were always learning every week, but after a while you start to think about what Rodgers wants. And he said that took years uh, it, it's just you, trying to get these guys. When Rodgers alludes to the fact that's how they're being coached up, it's technique. It's it's getting on the same page with them. And, and Ron, Rodgers, I appreciate the fact that you know this year he's. I don't necessarily say this year over many others, but he sounds more humbled this year about accountability. So it's interesting to see how long it's going to take for this offense to really get rolling, or for one of the one or two of these guys to emerge as you know his favorite target. Uh, Cobb at 32, and maybe he's lost a step in terms of his speed, although he had some nice plays uh, against the Buccaneers. Uh, James Jones was just like, you know, who you've had on the show as well. It just so happened he told this anecdote on Kay Adams' show this week, talking about the time that he finally figured out what Rodgers was looking for, that he got on the same page as Aaron Rodgers, and it led to a touchdown pass. There's a play that me and Aaron still, whenever we get around each other till this day, we still talk about like, man, that was just a crazy moment to where we knew we were on the same page. So we are playing the Denver Broncos at home. We have a play called Pepper. It's double post, right? It's a beeline in the slot. It's a post route on the outside, right? But in the red zone, as a receiver, you must cross the corner's face. If the corner is off, you must cross his face to protect the throw for the quarterback, no matter where he's at. So we line up, and the corner is 10 yards off, and I have a post route on the outside, and the corner is at least three, four yards inside. And I'm like, there's no way <laughs> that I'm getting inside of him, and there's no way I'm even going to have a chance at getting the ball. So I said, you know what? In my head, I said, F it. I'm just, I'm going behind him. I know I'm going to get beat up. It's going to be a missed assignment because I'm not protecting Aaron. I'm supposed to be going in front of him. But I said, man, I'm going to go behind him. And I planted and I went behind the DB and I seen the ball coming. And I said, this man just threw this ball. <laughs> I said, this man, and, it, and oh, probably and people, people have seen Aaron make a bunch of great throws, but to me, me and his connections, as much as we've done it, that's the greatest throw he's ever thrown to me. It was coming right behind the corner, 
uh, right in the honey hole for a touchdown, and I'm like, this dude good. But when I walked to the sideline, I looked at him, and I patted my chest like, bro, let me explain my bad. He said, that's exactly what I wanted you to do. Interesting. Where you finally, you're being taught to do one thing, but your instinct takes over for the other, and Rogers sees it on the same page. Interesting stuff. Mike Clemens joining us on the hotline, brought to you by our good friends over there at BayMotelGreenBay.com. That is BayMotelGreenBay.com. We're going to break. Come back. More of Mike Clemens right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. run past cans and they played a lot of single high and manned us up and it's you know do you want to run into a loaded box or you want to try to get it through the air and give credit you know Winks a guy I totally I got a lot of respect for and he out coached us in the second half and they outplayed us welcome back final play of that game and uh, reliving it a little bit. Painful on Sunday, but uh, very uh, insightful uh, when it comes to the actual play-by-play broadcast of that particular play where Rodgers taps that shoulder and everybody kind of figured out he was going to the right side. Mike Clements joining us on the line. Maybe that was too obvious, Mike, you know? Well, and the reason I'm still talking about this, and, and you know, we'll get to the Jets game, is this. As I watched the, that uh, Packers Giants game a third time after uh, practice and press conferences Wednesday afternoon, and I got all the way through it. And you see, when you get down to that kind of crunch time of a game, you know, you, uh, we see that final play it gets tipped, and so then we, you know we just walk away like, okay, never mind. Uh, it's, and I didn't see it until I watched the TV version, where on the instant replay, Mark Sanchez says, "See now, look." See how he's pulling up his shoulder? Aaron Rodgers pinches his jersey above his shoulder pads all the time. Like, you know, he doesn't want to crinkle or, you know, it's sitting too Mm -hmm. tight or something. And Sanchez is saying, that's a signal the play is going to the right. And I'm thinking, if Mark Sanchez figured out that tendency, he should probably still be playing. I think Wink Martindale fed him some of that in the production meeting because there's other calls that Sanchez makes during the game about, yeah, the the Packers don't like it when they put up, you know, six DBs and you see the Giants keep on running that, in that, on, that on that down in distance. Like, whoa, that's some pretty good stuff. So here's this play-by-play from Sanchez again, and, and what's happening on the TVs, he's putting a big round circle that, look at there's the signal. It's Rodgers pulling up on his jersey above his right shoulder pad that the pass is going to go to the right. They didn't leave anybody else on the field. It was all out. Cover zero. And McKinney. Wow. Now, Mike, I would I would be interested to see or hear other quarterbacks in the league that walk to the line with a predetermined destination. 
because we talk about that with Rodgers all the time. Oh, he knows where he's going with the football. He, he are, with the matchup will dictate it, so he already knows. So he, he, maybe that's his way of saying, hey, this is the way I'm coming. You know, and, and we know quarterbacks do that. But how many quarterbacks actually go to the line of scrimmage predetermined where they're going to go looking at an all-out blitz, and the only guy that gets covered is the guy that you indicated you're going to? Exactly. And the other thing about you talk about self-scouting yourself all the time, and how the hell can Mark Sanchez call this from up in the press box? You know? Right. Tottenham Stadium, and then and then have a big circle drawn around. Hey, everybody, here, here's the signal. <laughs> I mean, right. that's just crazy. So you go over to the Giants locker room, and you know you talk to Xavier McKinney, the safety, who's playing up on the line now. Shouldn't he be back in the end zone? And it's like, no. Wink Martindale said, "Man, listen, when they get into that situation." I want you guys to blitz the quarterback. Because you know what? Roger's going to make the pass if you're trying to cover it. You'll probably get a P.I. I want you to go for the ball in this situation, and that's what they did. They lined up those two guys, and they went for the ball, and damn it, they got it. They blocked it mm-hmm. twice. Right. Twice. And here's how McKinney described that play. They were high, especially the last one. Um, I thought the, the one before that, I thought we were going to get a pick in the game. Um, but the last one, you know, that was the that was the game winner. So um, just glad that we were able to get off the field and win the game. For sure, yeah. We, we love Wink, man. He, we, we trust in him. Um, he trusts in us, and that's the biggest thing. We, we, when you got two, you know, you got a group of guys, and then you got a coach that, that believes in each other. We trust each other. It's easy to go out there and play. We love playing for him. We go play hard every time. You know, he keeps us going. And uh, we keep him going. So it's a collective thing. We do it as a team. We do it as a unit. And uh, we have fun with it. Interesting stuff. Now, uh, to the opposite side, uh, one coordinator's had success. The other one is uh, getting questioned quite a bit. I, Mike, I want to get your take because we listened to the Joe Barry presser. I heard Darnell Savage. Um, I, give me your thoughts on because uh, Rob Reichel said he gets the feeling that uh, Joe Barry was called to the principal's office this week. Uh, I think Rob is right. The fact is this. We're in week six. And listen, look at this all-star cast that you've got and the signings that you made to beef up this defense. And here we are week six, and you've got one pick with all these guys. And Jair missed a couple of games, sure. But one these young Jets you're going to play are already up to seven. You're at the bottom of takeaways, of turnovers. And what's interesting is to hear that, you know, shouldn't a young guy like Darnell Savage Jr., that they brought him for his speed, he's supposed to be working the field. He's supposed to have to go over those balls over the middle instead of being burned by the crossing routes like Justin Jefferson when they lost to the Vikings, some of the stuff that Brady did to them against, you know, against the, uh, the Patriots, and some of those balls that, they, that uh, Daniel Jones completed under pressure last weekend. So here's Darnell Savage and Joe Barry about – when you're in this zone for most of the game, how is a defensive back able to use his instinct and jump around or create a takeaway or interception? I wouldn't say anything's holding us back. Uh, we're going to make our plays. You know, I, I feel like um, any time now, you know, uh, this is just one of those things. You just got to be patient. Just do your job, and, and your plays will come to you. If your veteran defensive back sees the formation, can jump around, be aggressive to get that takeaway, I mean, do they still have that leeway? Of course, with veterans, you give them a little bit more leeway. But I'm a firm believer with players, you know, make a full-speed decision, and I'm, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 100% back you up on it. What makes football players 
good at this level is their instincts and their awareness. You never want to take that away from them. I never want robots. I want guys that are that are reactionary, that use their instincts, that use their awareness and go. You know, you don't want vigilantes either. You don't want guys just going rogue on you and, and putting the, the other 10 guys on the field at, at risk of a big play. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a balance. You know, it's all about discipline and, and reading your keys and all that kind of stuff. You know, you just can't, you can't just go rogue within the defense and, and uh, be trying to make plays. You know, you leave somebody else out uh, kind of hanging to dry. So, um, you know, we're going to keep doing our job and just let our plays come to us. It's interesting, um, Mike, in the sense that, you know, he doesn't want robots. He wants guys that can play with instinct, but also you're playing a zone. You know, I mean, it's it, instinct and, and guys being aggressive, that's usually more open for playing a little more man and not just staying in nickel zone every damn play. You know what I mean? How can Rasul Douglas, who got those picks last year, get a pick when he's supposed to line up, you know, seven, eight yards off the line? Right. Or he's lining up, you know, or he's in the middle playing nickel so he's got to worry about the run he's got to worry about the tight end he's going to do that. so there's been a suggestion going around here this week uh and i don't know exactly where it started but the thought that maybe the rasul douglas at nickel in the slot is not working and so they asked the secondary coach jerry gray maybe you guys should remove rasul douglas back to outside at corner well, I mean, to me, I think that's one thing that we got to see. If if we if he make plays inside, then he'll be better inside. If he starts making plays outside, we'll put him back outside. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing that we got to do is find out what he's really, really good at and what we're good at for our team, not just for one person. Sure. I know what your defense is and what you guys are trying to do. You know, it's how it's run and you play a lot of zone. But how do you be an aggressive defensive back in that system? Well, uh, I know Coach Barry is going to be up here, and he's an architect, and he's a defensive coordinator. So I know you'll get those questions tomorrow, and he'll he'll answer those. Um. Okay. Which he didn't really want to. He didn't. He didn't want to take the uh, the heat for. Obviously. No. No. Uh, I think by, no. by the way, he's like he says. Well, you know, we'll try him on the inside. If that does work, we can try him on the outside. It's like yeah. wait a minute. You signed Rasul Douglas to a three-year, $20 million contract. It's week six, and you're still trying to figure out who he is. All right. right. Okay. All righty then. <laughs> and, and, and you're healthy. You're healthy. The Giants lost two more defensive backs. They had four guys of their defensive backs on the injury report going into the game in London. You guys are healthy, man. And you got yeah. veterans, and you got guys under contract. And so you asked Joe Barry... Uh, you know, I mean, and I want people to think about this. You, on the left-hand side, you got Jair at corner. On the right-hand side, you got the speedy second-year guy, Eric Stokes. You've had Rasul Douglas, the veteran, at the, in the slot, at the nickel, and then in the back, Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage at the safety. So you asked Joe Barry, would you consider moving Rasul Douglas back to corner? Love to be able to get to that, and as I've told you guys before, you know, we feel that we have multiple guys that can play the nickel, Job being one of them, uh, Darnell being one of them. Job's availability just hasn't, hasn't, hasn't been there. Um, so we've almost been forced to play Rasul inside. But we feel that we have a number of guys that we can stick in there. I think, obviously, with Sav being able to, us be able to move him around, Savage isn't one of our two safeties. In order to move him, um, we have to put someone in at safety. And I think... Uh, Rudy Ford has, has, has proven that he's, uh, you know, when he did have to go in and play against New England, he's getting more and more comfortable. 
Um, so obviously the ability to be able to move Darnell around at other positions and be able to put forward in the game, for example. Again, back to availability, just having those guys available to be able to do that's going to help. Now, the one bright spot, I guess, if we want to hit on something in a positive and not look at the negative, the one bright spot has basically been uh, the special teams. I mean, Mason Crosby, six for six. The process has been good. Uh, Pat O'Donnell's been extremely solid. They don't have big returns, but things nowhere near like they were as, as sketchy last year in the special teams department. I think the positive is the kick coverage is better. The punting coverage looks better. The punt protection looks better because, you know, Pat is making some great punts. And they're down in the ball, you know, at the five in some spots or keeping it in the 20. So that part is looking better. But, you know, Amari Rodgers is in his second year. You know, Aaron Rodgers had that killer line where they said, well, how's Amari looking at wide receiver? And he said, yeah, he's our punt returner. That's all I got. Remember that right. back in September? Mm-hmm. Yep. So Rich Bisaccia talked to us last night. Now, last week, they took away kickoffs from Amari Rogers and just let him focus on punts, and still he had a fumble. He's had one muffed pump before that. Basaccia was defending Amari Rogers. He goes, hey, I'm not going to – I am not. Gonna, I can't use the word he used. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to trash can the kid yet. He's making better decisions. I think he's making improvements. Yeah, he's had the two bogeys. Uh, but, yeah, we, we thought we'd try Christian Watson back there for some speed. But now Christian's had the hamstring injury, and they get Kylan Hill, who was their third-string running back last year, who was doing a great job at returning kicks till he suffered that torn ACL against the Cardinals. He's back on the practice field, so they got that cooking. But Basaccia says, you know what? We may throw in Keyshawn Nixon, one of these guys that I brought in that has he filled in, did a nice job at corner at, at, in the nickel, and I've used him in special teams in the past. And he talked about why he might you might see Keyshawn Nixon back at kick returner. Yeah, he's really fast. He's really physical. He's got really good eye-hand coordination. He's got, you know, he's just got something about him. He's got some dirt in the back of his neck and just makes him have a little bit of love for football and, and um, for everything that we're asking him to do. So, you know, he did return for us, and um, we, we've given him some work this week. We've given him some work almost every week, but he's, he's played the off-returner for us a little bit the last few weeks. So... We'll see what happens. But, yeah, we, we like him back there as well. Dirt on the back of his neck. I like that. that I've never heard that. Have you, have you heard that before? Uh, no, but I get what he's saying. I've not that's heard him put it in that term. back of his neck. Yeah. yeah, play, <laughs> yeah. play that again, Ben. He's got some dirt in the back of his neck. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, he's got <laughs> dirt back there. Yeah. It's not, a, not that he's a filthy human being. It's just, yeah, he's, he's got it. He's, he's got that grit to him. I like that like that uh let's do this we're going to step away take a quick break we'll come back final segment with our buddy mike clemens coming up right after this this is the bill michael show on the wisconsin sports zone radio network mentioned that to him, you know, but, but I was just an Aaron Rodgers fan. You know, I've been watching him since I was you know, a little kid, you know, I was trying to re- replicate the way he throws, the way he plays the game, so I mean, really just, I, you know, as long as I can remember playing football, you know, I always I was a big I was a big fan of just you know, we didn't have an NFL team in Utah so I wouldn't say I was a Packers fan, but I was just an Aaron Rodgers fan. I, I just grew up watching him and I always like to watch their games because of him and just kind of where he was at and um, he's just a quarterback I tried to like, you know, replicate and steal things from and, you know, I like the way he plays the game, so 
you know, I'd probably say, you know, since I could remember, you know, 13, 13 years old once I got into football. Big one coming up. Packers-Jets noon kickoff on Sunday. Hey, by the way, I want to make a mention of this real quick. Huge game tonight, Family Fest tonight down at UW-Whitewater. Uh, taking on UW-Oshkosh tonight. Big game, big atmosphere. Tonight, under the lights, Perkins Stadium, 7 o'clock. And that is a big one here in the state of Wisconsin. And meantime, Mike Clemens joining us on the line. And, Mike, uh, a lot of... Uh, I, I a, a lot of storylines to this game, but I think uh, the one that everybody's kind of talked about is the fact that uh, there is so much familiarity between coaching staffs. Uh, Matt LaFleur's younger brother, Mike, is the offensive coordinator for the Jets, who I got to talk to when he was still with the 49ers and at the Super Bowl. And then uh, Robert Salah, I got to talk to him, too, as well. Now, you know, Matt LaFleur just does not talk about his career or his life. He just he deflects every question. And there's a lot of coaches. Even McCarthy was that way before the Super Bowl. Like, well, I'm here to talk about the players and here to talk about the football. I want to fly under the radar as the head coach. Later, McCarthy, you know, Rob Reichel wrote a book about him. And, you know, Lance Allen went to Pittsburgh to talk to his dad and see the bar that he grew up in and that kind of thing. But that was after... You know, they got to the Super Bowl. But Robert Salah talks about that he's going to Central Michigan to become a graduate assistant in football. These both, both these guys are about 23, 24 years old, and he meets this kid named Matt LaFleur who had been a quarterback at Saginaw uh, throwing footballs to Ravel Martin and was uh, had just gotten a job at Central Michigan. At Central, yeah. So we were roommates together in Central when we were GAs. Uh, we're in an office about the size of uh, size of this uh, platform. So he's, um, yeah, so he he and I are pretty close. How often do you guys talk? Like, is that is that something you talk to every week? Uh, almost every day. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's like a brother. So uh, just being able to bounce ideas off of him and uh, um, and vice versa. So you know he's got a tremendous wealth of knowledge of going through just all the administrative part or handling the media or whatever, handling players and different things that might arise. So it might be different, but there's still a lot of similarities when you're when you're running a team. So then Salah got a job with the Texans yeah. with Kyle Shanahan and Gary Kubiak, and that's how LaFleur got into the NFL? Uh, I got his name to the desk, and that's. But he did the rest. He did the rest. It was uh, there was a spot open. I walked in the Kyle's office. I said, "Hey, man, I got this dude. He was an offensive coordinator at Ashland, and uh, I said he would be unbelievable. It was one of those twenty 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 jobs. You're in your twenties, work twenty hours a week a day, and get paid twenty thousand a, a year. Um, but um, and you know, Coach Kubiak, same thing. I just as I just talked to him, he'll, he'll he will grind and. Uh, fortunately, he was he was ready to roll, and from there, it was everything since then has been all him. Yeah, it's uh, it's seven degrees of separation or less than that when it comes to the coaching world in, in football, Mike. It's it's amazing. Hey, it, go ahead. It's amazing how much of these guys are all got NFL head coaching jobs too. He just he just right? played Mike McDaniel, a guy he worked with in San Francisco that's now running the Dolphins. Yep, no doubt, Mike. Good stuff, and I will see you uh, at the chair right there in the press box on Sunday. Safe travels, Billy. See you up here. All right, buddy, there you go. That's Mike Clemens joining us for a few minutes, uh, for the last three segments, actually. i got more than a few minutes. So uh, good stuff from Mike, man. Now, big weekend coming up. Badgers trying to look for two in a row. Packers trying to get back into the winning track. You got Whitewater tonight. Philadelphia, the Phillies, best of luck, Ben. I'll be watching. 
thinking of you, and uh, anybody that knows Ben, if the Phillies lose, please put nets underneath all the bridges out there in Madison. Well, you're heading out to uh, Philadelphia now, aren't you? Yes, right after the show. Pray for me, yeah. everybody. I need yeah, it. Yeah, because you're going to the game on Sunday, right? Correct. It's a banner oh. weekend. Banner. Well, best of luck. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. And then don't forget uh, the Green and Gold postgame show coming up right after the game on Sunday. Come back right here. We're going to bring you the analysis, bring you all the reaction. That is uh, myself, Mike Clemens, everybody along for the ride as uh, we'll break down the Packers and the Jets. Time for us to get out of here. Have a good one. Woo!